You're listening to The Orchard Podcast. I'm Jonathan Rogers. I'm here today with Dave Bartlett and Jeff Mickey. Jeff is one of the senior leaders here at Orchard, while Dave continues to uh, mentor Jeff, Doug Tenson, and Brian Steenhook, the three senior leaders. Uh, I was just going to ask you guys, how is that going? How's that transition going? Maybe you want to tell us maybe where we're at with that. Oh, the way I hear that is Dave's the senior senior leader. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it is your birthday today, right? Is that, that's what I just heard. I qualify now, I guess, as yeah. a senior leader. Yeah. <laughs> Do you actually get the senior discounts? I, uh, very soon. Very soon. Very soon, I okay. think. I don't know what age that starts at. Dave, but I'm do you know? Closer. Well, depends on the place, but 55, some places. I, I was, I have to say, I got a, a, a piece of mail from AARP. <laughs> oh. And I, I think I burned it. <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, how is the transition going? Are we fully transitioned, would you say? Or uh, yeah, Johnny, I've been saying that to our leaders, that um, the transition is complete, that the leaders are leading, and now I'm an asset here at the church, and a part of my being an asset is to coach the guys, but the transition from my leadership to them is done. Yeah, I, I think what that means for people who, who well, what does that mean? You know, that the transition is done is that the decisions that are impacting the church that Dave used to make are now being made by the three senior leaders. And um, Dave coaches and consults us, and we seek his advice um, and when appropriate. And at other times, we just make decisions amongst ourselves. Great. Well, thank you for that um, update. Um, today, we're going to kind of talk about some tough stuff in families, kind of getting back to the friends and family series that we did a couple um, weeks ago. Um, but before we kind of get into that, I thought maybe I'd ask you guys about uh, the, the recent school shooting in Florida and just kind of as um, followers of Jesus, um, how do we respond to that within our families um, and then also within the community? Yeah. Johnny, I do think that's a great place to start this morning because I can picture... Uh, our family sitting at home last night, and if the news was on, their their little kids were saying, you know, what is this about? What is this? And then parents have to figure out how to deal with that in their family. So I, I think it's an important question. Uh, my first thought is that we have to fight fear, that um, either as parents of, of kids, we're either going to create fear in kids or we're going to help them live in this broken world we do live in. Uh, with peace. And so uh, it's, there should never be one mass shooting. There should never, uh, never be this kind of, but we do live in a broken world. And so uh, one of the things, uh, I'm kind of strategic in my thinking, and one of the things I thought about right away is I heard on the news there's been 17 mass shootings in schools since, uh, since the mid-90s. And so it's terrible, but... Um, how prevalent is that? So I just went online, and there are 100,000 public schools in the United States today. So over these, you know, 20 years, there's been 17 mass shootings. And uh, so that's less than one a year of 100,000. So let's not be too fearful. Right. And I think a mass shooting is, is described as uh, when four or more are killed. Is that right? Because I think there's been more school shootings than that. Yeah. Um, but maybe mass shootings are. Yeah. Yeah. And but I think the point and Dave's, you know, I, that you're making, and, and again, it's we certainly don't want to minimize the tragedy that that's happened and the multiple tragedies that have happened at schools and in other places with these mass shootings. But but to keep it in perspective when we're talking with our kids or your grandkids about uh, you know about 
what's really going on and that, that you don't have to be afraid. Um, it's a reality that we live in. It's a, it is a broken world that we live in, but, um, the likelihood that you're going to experience that or encounter that, although it seems great because it's, it's just everywhere when it happens, it probably, it, the odds probably aren't that great that it's going to happen. I think that's what I hear you right, saying. Right. Dave. And, it's and far strategic y- with your kids. Yeah. It's far more dangerous to buckle your kid into their car seat than it is to send them to school. There's no question about that. And yet this can become the focus. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's, you know, there's all, all kinds of reasons for what's happening and, and we haven't even begun to dive into those. I don't think as a culture or as a society, um, you know, everybody has opinions about things, but, but one of the things I think too, to encourage our kids is, is, uh, is to be mindful of those around you and, and to be mindful of the struggles that they have and to be mindful of um, the hard things that they're going through and to be people who are just looking to, you know, to be a friend and looking to, to encourage other people. And, and I think faith can drive that in a family and that's where faith can win out over fear. It's like, uh, you know, if you see somebody who's sitting alone, if you see somebody who's being picked on, if you see somebody who's struggling in these ways, you know, can you be somebody who can encourage that, that other student and, you know, maybe, maybe change their life. That's good. I don't know. It's, it's very very complicated. And again, there's brokenness in this world that we're not going to be able to impact or affect, but, but, um, sometimes you don't know, you don't know what your actions might do. And, uh, we can impact people, I believe, and influence people. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with, I agree with what Jeff said there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, uh, I think that so much of what our kids are going to end up getting about the world is our own worldview from inside of us. So as a mom and a dad, what I want to do is check out inside me and be sure that my insides, my, my fear levels, my stress levels are, are, are good. Because no matter how hard we try to protect our kids, they're going to know what's going on in us. Yeah. I heard something from one of the students who was at the school in Florida made a comment that, uh, that our generation isn't going to stand for this. And I think that that's important too, that, that we empower students with those, with those who are thinking that way to, who want to make change and in society to empower them and say, good, you do what you need to do as you, as a generation and get behind them and support them however we can. Yeah. I think what you were saying was important. It's not going to be <clears throat> maybe something that we we do legislatively or something. It's going to be more relationally. How can we talk to each other and exactly and, um, have those relationships with each other, not excluding people and truly trying to bring people in? Absolutely. So I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Well, I kind of want to turn a little bit of a corner here to some more, uh, you know, practical family situations. Uh, hopefully we aren't talking about school shootings um, as often as maybe we have been in the future. Um, but uh, I did ask you guys if there was anything, um, if you did have a funny kind of story or, or uh, um, incident with your with your wife or you know a fight that I thought may, that you thought maybe was dumb. Uh, so instead of throwing that question away, do you have anything that you can think of that was like a dumb fight, kind of just to get us into these uh, family uh, arguments and uh, situations that we all have? 
Dave, you probably have a hundred of these. <laughs> oh, I do. Well, first of all, uh, uh, the word fight is interesting, Johnny. Yeah. Well, my wife and I uh, talked about this last night because I told her I had this question. That's why I didn't want to throw it away because I knew you guys yeah. did the work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, she said, well, first of all, we don't have fights. We have silences. Huh. So um, we just don't. I don't know that we've ever had a time where we're yelling at each other. We, but we have lots of times where one of us gets really quiet for a long time. And that's our fight. Yeah. And so the one we threw out was, um, I mean, it's, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> but uh, we're standing at an amusement park with our kids. And we have this silence <laughs> about uh, whether our two littlest, uh, uh, Emily and Joel, should go on a roller coaster. And as incredible as it seems, I was against it. And she was for it. And we just, uh, and you know, I love roller coasters, yeah. but uh, I was just against it at their age, putting them on there. And so it got very silent for a very long time. Uh, one other, I don't know why ours happen at amusement parks, but one other one, uh, uh, Ben got off a roller coaster, like first thing in the morning and we'd had chocolate donuts and he walked over to our can and he threw up in the can. In the trash can? Yeah. And I said, that's it. We're going home. <laughs> I mean, we had been there like 20 minutes. <laughs> and Lynn goes, no, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, silence. Yeah. Oh. So who won? Did you go home? Uh, no, we did. In <laughs> fact, in both of those cases, Lynn won. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, that's good. I, I, mean, I remember putting Lewis on uh, on the Matterhorn down at uh, Disney World. He was crying, and Cindy was so mad at me about that because we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be making it. And then after we got off, he said, let's go do it again. <laughs> so I don't know that I won that, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, uh, it is amazing what happens at amusement parks. <laughs> I asked Cindy the same thing. I said, what's, you know, what, and, and Eli happened to be in the room with us and we were just racking our brains because, uh, and Eli just goes, well, you guys don't ever argue. And it's, it's probably the same thing. We probably tend to get, get quiet or don't necessarily voice maybe what we're thinking. And, uh, both of us happen to be, you know, we have the strengths from Strix Finder. Both of us have adaptability in our top five of our strength mix. And so, we're pretty go with the flow and, and, um, you know, I would say going way, way back to when we were first married, um, probably the arguments that we had, I remember, you know, she was going out for a clinical out in Montana somewhere and, and I was staying back in Des Moines she was finishing up PT school and, uh, and she was talking, she'd called home one day about driving out and some guys who had drone by her and, and I don't know if they were what they were doing, but there was some interaction with them. And I just got kind of like, do not interact with these guys. Don't, you know, it was more like, it was kind of this idea. You need to understand guys and you got, you don't understand guys. And she thought I was being ridiculous and silly. And, and again, you know, it was probably, I probably was, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, cause it was, she was, uh, you know, smart enough to handle herself in that situation, but not being there, it was, you get all these different images and things. And so, um, I don't remember it ended up, you know, resolving itself probably by just going away and not talking about it any further, but things like that, that creeped up early on in our, in our relationship. Well, I just want to make sure, <clears throat> I just want to make sure that people understand that, uh, that there are people that fight a lot. Oh, yeah. Me and my wife, you yeah. know, we get we can get pretty um, animated with each other. Um, so, so 
don't yeah no. yeah there's not a right way to fight yeah. you know i mean there's probably healthy ways and and just because jeff and i have more of a silent style yeah. doesn't mean there aren't like all kinds of other styles right but but the, the what we can learn from the fighting whether it's a silent style or a yelling f- style yeah. are the same things yeah I, I remember the first time i met cindy's aunt and uncle we went to a family reunion this was before we were <laughs> married and we walked in and this is the first time I'm meeting any of her family and uh, we were out in Colorado and uh, I can't repeat what her aunt called her husband at the time uh, on the air <laughs> but it was language it was a couple of words I'd never heard strung together <laughs> before <laughs> and it was like welcome to the family yeah. and they were just very passionate people and and uh, and they fought passionately you know and they loved passionately and uh, I don't think there is a right or wrong way to do it. It's yeah. it's uh, it's more in how you reconcile it that that matters than than how you fight. I think right. sometimes. Um. So one of the things I want to talk about, um, Dave, is you've always talked about not taking sides within a, um, within disagreements. Yes. Uh, more or less like within family, um, other people that are maybe getting divorced or um, just having disagreements within the larger family. Yes. Right. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I sure can, Johnny. Um, The question is, how can you be a help to family members who are going through hard times? And so often I find that people believe the best way to be a help to someone is to take their side. And almost always that is not helpful. Almost always in my 40 years of walking with people, um, I've seen that. And they've told me over and over again that it's almost better. If if you have a sister and a brother-in-law going through something, it's almost always better to be an outsider and not choose sides and just say, we're going to love you both. We're not going to take sides. This is not our role to take sides. We're going to love you both as best as we can. And, uh, and then we have to uh, delete from our mind the idea that the way I love you is to take your side. Actually, what becomes true is the way I love you is to not take your side, but to be the best me I can be in the situation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Hard to do, though. It, it, uh, it's hard to do, but it, it, there are some things that help. One is if you realize you don't know what it's like to be in either person's shoes. You have no idea what it's like. Uh, even if you're hearing a blow by blow, blow day by day uh, thing, you st- from one of them, you still don't know what's going on in the heart and mind of the other. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, you're keeping in mind that it, that it's any problem, it takes two to be part of that problem, right? It's it probably exactly. didn't just happen with one of them having a problem. It was, there's an action and a reaction and, and those things tend to affect each other. Exactly. And that's another thing you can say to yourself when you feel drawn in to take a side, yeah. that it's, there's always a, an air on both sides. One of the challenges for you though, Dave, I would imagine is you are an incredible empathic listener. And so you listen and have great empathy for people as they're sharing their story, which can sometimes be interpreted as, oh, Dave, Dave agrees with me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then uh, that's why I actually, if you come into my office and you're going through a divorce or there's an affair going on or something, very early in my helping, I'll say, I as a person and we as a church never take sides. And that frees me up then. I can be as empathetic as I want to be, but I've already stated a part of our helping will be to not take a side. 
And you'd recommend doing that with family members uh, as well. I really would. Yeah. Uh, but now, again, remember, what we're talking about here is how to help others through a tough time. Mm-hmm. And if that's the goal, yep. help them through a tough time, um, then the way to do it is to uh, not take sides. Mm. Can you talk to <clears throat> both of the people um, individually? Oh, I think for sure you can. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, uh, I, I would say yes, Johnny. I'm not saying you don't help them both or anything like that. Yeah. Most times when I'm trying to help either a family member, and, and I've had the privilege of helping a lot of our extended family, uh, sometimes they're together and sometimes they're apart and I'm meeting with them separately. Sometimes it seems like it's one of them wants help and the other one maybe doesn't necessarily seek out as much help. Yeah, yeah. And one of the real problems, and uh, if you've been around Orchard Long, you've heard me say this, you can almost solve any any marriage problem if they're both working at the same time. Mm-hmm. But the way it works generally in our world is someone works for six months and the other person says, I'm not interested, then Person A quits working, yeah. then and says, "Hey, I'm done." Then person B starts working. Yeah. The, I would say eighty percent of the marriages we try to help, this is true of. Yeah. And if you can just get them both to work at the same time, but you can't take today and say, "Well, uh, you know, the husband's willing to work today, but the wife isn't." You can't just take sides because she might have been willing to work for three years. Right. Right. And how do you just keep? You know, when it's in your family yeah. like that, how do you, you know, realizing that a person may not be ready to talk about it, may not be ready to dive into it, may not be, how do you just keep engaging with that person though, right? I mean, you have right. to, if you've been engaged with that person before, you have to continue to do those activities and continue to engage with them as much as you can, even if they're not ready to talk about it. Oh yeah. You keep loving them. Yeah. You just keep loving yeah. them. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, you know, as my children got married... I really was very aware the number one thing I could do for my kids was love their spouse fully, no matter what uh, that spouse was or where that spouse was. My job was to love them fully. Hmm. Yeah, powerful. I've heard you um, say before there's always more than one option. Sometimes we think that there's only one option when we have a difficult situation. Can you talk about that, how there's always more than one option? Yeah, Johnny. In fact, I say it differently than that. I say um, there's always more than two options. More than two. That, two yeah, that's options. what I meant. Yep. And so, uh, some, and, and again, when you're trying to help someone is when this really matters. So if you're trying to help your kid choose a college or you're trying to help uh, uh, your dad figure out something or your son – um, almost always they get polarized into two options. And so they'll say, you know, I can either go to college A or I can go to college B. Well, no, you can expand that to other colleges or maybe I don't even go to college. Or, But oftentimes people get polarized in just two. And the reason this is so big for me, Johnny, is what I found in my office as I've helped people for a long time is often the best answer is not one of the two they came in with. Hmm. Often the best answer that they choose for themselves after some help is um, a different answer that they didn't even think was on the table. Hmm. So often in a marriage, it's like one comes in thinking it needs to be this way and the other one comes in thinking it needs to be this way. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes, yes. And they're and, button heads. And, and they they're butting heads. They can't figure yep. it out. Yep. And they can't figure it out. And, uh, uh, and, and it feels like there has to be a win-lose. 
Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things I start doing is let's look for other options that could be more win-win. Let's look for more of a win-win. And, and that's a part of, of family life that's successful is if we can begin believing there are win-wins, not win-losing. Hmm. Do you ever come across situations where it's just hard to find that other option or the other options? Yeah, I, I you know, because I'm not an advice giver when I give help. So um, a lot of times the couple themselves can't find the other options. And then I'll just throw out, well, from my perspective, it looks like this could be an option. Hmm. And a lot of times it's like, wait a while hmm. is a part of one of the options. We have to decide today, A or B. Well, it seems like one third option would be to put it on hold for a while. Right. Seems like another option would be to find a middle ground. Yeah. You know, and then they start working. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, Jeff, honestly, I've not found that there isn't a third option, third or fourth. It seems like uh, part of what, what I hear you saying is sometimes time constraints. Like there's like, this has to be done by now or by in this way. Yeah. Um, that those really get people stuck. They uh, really do get people stuck. Yeah. Like I got it. I, I've and, and part of that might be because I'm in pain Yeah. and, and this is uncomfortable Yeah. and I can't stand to be in this painful situation anymore. So this, this has to happen by now. Yeah. 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 That the, the timing of it is one of the things that, uh, can be helpful yeah. to, to, uh, to get the urgency out of it. Right. Yep. Um, many times, and I think in marriage, uh, we don't even know that we have differences until all of a sudden it just smacks you in the face. Um, you don't know that you have these strong feelings about how you raise your kids until all of a sudden you're holding one and, and you're trying to figure out what to do when you get home. I remember sitting the first night I got home and with our first daughter, and I, <clears throat> I needed to have the monitor right next to my face all night because I just couldn't figure out how to leave her alone, you know, for any amount of time. Um, all these things just creep up in you when all of a sudden you have kids or <laughs> when you get married. Um, how do you prepare for those moments um, when all of a sudden you don't know that it's coming, but then it's there and you have these disagreements? Yeah, yeah. You don't even know it was in you, did you? Right. You didn't know you would respond this way. Right. I remember uh, a story, Johnny, uh, a college couple from you and I coming into my office. I had married them like a year and a half before, and they came in, and you could tell they were just mad. And uh, the first thing the guy said to me is, this is not the woman I married. Hmm. And um, and uh, as I listened to their story, it was exactly your story. She was more of a partier, but she always knew once I became a mom, the partying ends. Well, the problem was, she didn't know it clear enough to tell her husband. And so he was saying, fun is out the window. We had this baby, and this is a different woman. And so then you have to walk through it. I, I don't think you can always know what's in there, but I think what a couple can do is be prepared for these. Be prepared that we're going to be on a journey together. We're going to be committed. And there are going to be weird things that come out in me as, as I live through this journey. My wife and I joke too. We literally never had a fight or hardly even a silence until we had kids. And then we both were so animate about how kids should be raised that that's when the struggle started. Yeah, those kids throw a wrench in things, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) I I remember when I came home after Lewis was born and it was the night before Cindy and Lewis were coming home. So it was, it was, you know, we'd been in the hospital 20 some hours of labor and all this other stuff. And 
So my wife sent me home and, and I got home and I sat down on the couch and I remember my first thought was, what have we done? <laughs> you know, right. It was just yeah. this overwhelming sense of, I've got no idea what we're in for now, but it is, it's overwhelming and, and, and kids do, um, they do impact your relationship. And, and I think, you know, that that's what I, I what I encourage uh, young people before they get married is, um, boy, have a have a deep, deep friendship with the person you're marrying because all that other stuff that you're that you're going to have, and you know, we just got done with this friends and family series. I, I think friendship is is foundational to your relationship. If you don't have that, then those other qualities that you lifted up that may change and and that are dynamic throughout a relationship because of other variables coming in, they can really, really throw you off. Whereas if you have a friendship, it's something that you know that ties you together through some of those ups and downs. I think it's really, really important. And then, and then to keep working on your friendship, um, throughout the marriage. And so, uh, you know, I think about your friends, it's like, well, let's go on an adventure together. Let's go to the mountains. Let's go skiing. Let's be spontaneous or whatever. Well, I can take that same approach then with our kids. It's like, we don't know what we're doing, but let's go do it together. Let's, let's have fun doing this together and figuring it out together. And that's, I think kind of, as I look back, how I survived with Cindy through, through our young, you know, the first couple kids that we had learning and growing. And it's just like, and we had a lot of help from other people too, which is big. Um, and I don't know if that answers your question, but I think that friendship underneath it really served us well. Yeah. 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 I, I never saw this before we started the journey, Johnny, that there are things in me that I won't even know until I hit the circumstance. And I think just knowing that, even as we're building a friendship, even as we're going on this adventure of raising kids, just knowing, being self-aware that I don't know everything about why I react uh, the way I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the example that was used, you know, with the couple, it's like he's concerned that she's changing. Well, yeah. I'm changing too. Yeah. And, and I might not be changing in the same way. I may still be ready to go out and party and have fun in these certain ways, but I may be changing in other ways. Yeah. Um, and, and so that dynamic always is changing in your yeah. relationship. And, and I've got to examine, I want her to accept me and the changes I undergo as well through the years. And so yeah. how can I give grace yeah. for the way my partner's changing? Yeah. Uh, uh, this, the whole area of family, Johnny, the way we were raised is deeply embedded in us. Uh, we saw it with uh, some of the spouses that our, our children married. Like we've always been a real tight extended family, but some of them had no concept of extended family and uh, you know had never been around an uncle or an aunt or anything like that and so uh, then that's a shock and so the whole deeply embedded family thing is a big deal how about the role of uh, a mentor or you know somebody who's been through some things um, that seems like an important role for for young people too who are encountering some of these things to, to find somebody who's been through that before and how did they do it well and survive yeah yeah, yeah that's Johnny I feel like your generation you know is is uh, is better at reaching out for mentors or coaches and uh, and I I just so affirm that uh, we, we need the help yeah. and the understanding of those who are ahead of us yeah even, even friends, you know, I think, I think having a side-by-side friend who you can at least yeah. share your struggles with, who can encourage you. But, but I think even more having somebody who's a little further ahead on the path can be really, really a big help. Yeah. Yeah.
So we we kind of hit on this, but how about when <clears throat> you think you know something about your spouse, and um, all of a sudden they start to to change? Um, I'm thinking about like political leanings, like in our world today. You know, <laughs> yeah. When, all, when you think, you know, you can come home and have this like conversation that is, you know, um, a little bit more free, and all of a sudden they're changing with how they think of something. How does that? And then you have to kind of be respectful. Not that you shouldn't always be respectful, but you have to kind of have this guard up now with your spouse. That can be difficult. I know my wife and I have have dealt with that a little bit, where we disagree on some things now and we kind of have to you know have have these more respectful conversations where at the beginning I was kind of almost in a mourning period because it was like well she all she's not agreeing with me anymore and I want her to agree with me and um almost had to you know I I kind of just got angry with her for not agreeing with me you know (laughs) for a little while there and I kind of had to realign my thinking yeah you know yeah um when I think you've even heard that uh, or you've even made the comment, Johnny, that there some of those things are like they're political in nature, but but you want your kids to kind of align with what you're thinking, right? Because you think that what you're thinking is right, and it's the right yep. way to do things, and right. So then you almost feel like you're against your spouse and what you want your kids to learn and know. Yeah, and, and that I, creates some stress. Yeah, and I think that sometimes what happens is is that I'm arguing with her about something that I don't even necessarily agree with what I'm saying, I just go to a different, I go to the extreme because I feel like she's disagreeing with me. And then we both just kind of polarize when realistically we're not that far apart. Right. And I think that's where we kind of, um, struggle a little bit because we just tend to go away from each other instead of finding that common ground. Yeah. The first thing I thought about when I, when I heard your question, Johnny, was a couple has to find a way to agree to disagree mm-hmm. instead of polarizing. So what you're talking about, like you and your wife are doing is like, you're each taking a side and then you're pulling farther apart right. to bring balance. <laughs> so <laughs> right. you're here, her, her, and then you need to pull farther apart. So finding the way that in your relationship is going to work to agree to disagree is, is, is a tough thing, but important. Um, uh, um, and and uh, politic, po- politics is one of the hot topics right now in, in couples and families. Yeah. But there are always going to be some. And, and so how, how are you going to, some families might choose, we're going to disagree in private and we're going to give a, a, a unified voice to our children. Another couple might say, we're going to love each other by disagreeing in front of the kids. There's a lot of ways to do it, but it's got to be based in love and based in peace. Yeah. You know, they're, you're not at the age yet, Johnny, where your, your kids aren't at the age yet where this also happens with your kids. Yeah. Right. Where they bring home different viewpoints, maybe political, maybe, uh, morally, uh, whatever it might be, you know, and there were a couple of those issues. I I think of, there was one particular issue between my wife and I, that I don't want to mention because it's a particularly divisive issue in our culture today (laughs) that we have different views on. And, and, um, and then there was an issue that with my, with my oldest son too, that was more of a, I would call it a, a moral issue. That's also very popular today with our youth and and with some of our older adults that kind of divides us in terms of um, legalization of drugs and those sorts of things and and um, my daughter too you know who who and it wasn't because necessarily that that they wanted to participate in that but just this legality issue and things and their perspective is different because of their generational view than what our perspective is and 
And I found myself both with my wife and in the, in the issue that we were divided on and with my kids of arguing and being coming passionate about it and wanting them to see and understand. And, and I, it took me a long time to get to this point, but, but what was really helpful to me is when I started to question, why am I getting so angry or so passionate about this? What is it that's pushing my buttons? And when I asked the question and I spent some time to actually think about it, what I came to the conclusion was, is there's some fear you know, there's, there's some fear underneath this. And so what is the fear and, and what's driving me? Well, the fear is that this is, you know, this is going to affect the decisions they make, or it's going to affect the lifestyles they choose, or it's going to affect their relationship with Christ, whatever it is. And, and I'm trying to control that. And I had to learn to give that up and learn to say, I, one, I can't control it. They're going to make decisions for themselves. And two, maybe I could learn something. Maybe I could actually learn something new and maybe my perspective is going to shift a little bit or maybe we can come more towards the middle rather than, like you said, being polarized towards opposite ends. I find that fear ends up driving us away, whereas if I can lay down my fear and say, let's let's try to learn, let's try to learn where does truth actually rest, that can maybe pull us together. Yeah. When you bring up like our kids, like right now, Johnny, you're asking the question, uh, you know, you and your wife, but uh, as our kids are in middle school and high school and college, this becomes a major factor. How do I receive their disagreements with me? How do I receive those? And how do we then be a home and a family and love together when we're going? I I think middle school is a time when kids try out crazy ideas. Mm. So we used to have supper uh, together and we'd always say what are you thinking about what are you learning and in middle school kids just throw out ideas <laughs> like you know i think i'm going to marry three people <laughs> i think uh the bible is an old dusty book dad you just can't emotionally respond yeah. as they're trying out ideas yeah you just have to go tell me more about that good idea did yeah. you think of that by yourself yeah. you know you got to not respond emotionally yeah and and how did you do that? Because I mean, I didn't do that very well a lot of times. And again, like I said, I, it was a long journey to realize there's fear I have to trust. And I had I had to just talk to God a lot about that and say, God, I, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I'm going to have to trust you and you watch over my kids and do this, but help me to know how to keep loving, how to keep engaging and not let this get in the way. Yeah. Yeah. And then look for those opportunities to just enjoy my kids and have you, fun with them. Yes. Uh, I think I had the great blessing of being a youth director at that point. And so I was hearing from high school kids what they and their parents were fighting about. And I was just like going, I'm not going to fight about those kinds of things. I'm not going to break relationship because they're trying out an idea. Right. And so that really helped me at that point. Yeah. But as as dads and moms come into my office and want to talk about this, it is really hard to do what you did, Jeff, yeah. to, to put your fear aside yeah. and just go, I need to yeah. um, respond as the adult here. I yeah. need to respond as the confident follower of Jesus here. Yeah. Um, I'm not the fearful follower of Jesus. Right. One of the things that you've said that helped me in that process and that others did too, you know, there's the common, a common thing that happens is, is, you know, when your kids start to try out these ideas or even try to, you know, experiment with behaviors and things, it's, it's like, 
you know, there's this fear of judgment that you're failing as a parent or other people, because you hear some people say, oh, well, if they were good parents, their kids wouldn't do these things. I heard somebody saying again, you know, like with the Florida shooting that we began with, well, the parents had to have messed up. That's not always the case. Yeah. That, that just isn't true. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people have that belief. And so, so you carry that fear around. And I think you've, you've freed me from that. Help me Dave, because of this whole idea of your parent, you aren't, your kids aren't responsible for making the choices to be just like their parents. Right. And, right. and you, they've got to, you've got to separate and free your kids from having to live up to some expectations of, of being a mini Dave or a mini Jeff or a mini Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge. And, you know, we I I've said we need to bring it to our staff again at the church level because, you know, pastors, kids, church staff, kids already carry extra weight. Right. And we need to do everything we can as a church and as a family to unhook them from that, because yeah. otherwise, I mean, I don't even want to carry the weight I have to carry. Right. There's no way I'm going to put that on my kids. Right. And so I've even up front at Orchard taught you hired me. You did not hire my wife or my kids. And they're free to be, live their journey yeah. and whatever their journey looks like. And if we could free our kids up, then they are not responding. Because one of the things that happens in middle and high school is they have to prove to somebody they're not only your kid. Yeah. They're themselves. Yeah. And so I wanted to take everything I could away from them having to prove they weren't Dave Bartlett's kids. Yeah. You know, that they thought for themselves. And so I literally told them. You know, you've got choices yep. in, in junior high and high school. If you're going to do drugs, you're going to do them. No way I can stop you. Right. It's your call. Right. Um, I just told them that. Yep. But, so that they knew I knew it. Yep. Yeah. And the biggest thing that helped me through that, not only that, that wise counsel, but was actually having parents whose kids had been through some things yeah. who just encouraged us and said, keep, keep loving your kids. Hang on. Everything's going to be okay. You're doing great. You know, and being surrounded by, by friends who could do that. Who again, people, mentors who were a little bit ahead of me yeah. said, you're doing great. Keep loving them. Keep encouraging them. I really, we really needed that. Both yeah, my wife yeah, and I needed yeah, that. That yeah. was so helpful to us. It's really hard to hear. I have a really good friend who uh, said uh, to me recently, I wish someone would have told me my son was going to turn out okay yeah. when he was in Rocky water. Right. And I said to her, I told you every two weeks <laughs> for years yeah. that your son was going to be okay, but she couldn't hear it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Well, I just want to thank you guys for, for doing this. Um, I think I get as much benefit just sitting here listening to you guys. I think you guys are two of the people ahead of me, um, mentoring me. So I appreciate that. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to get some good stuff out of this. So appreciate you being here. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there and, um, we'll, We'll do it again sometime. Thanks, Johnny. Right. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, guys.